Most of the attention on the Big Ten this offseason is about who is coming back, specifically at Purdue and Michigan State. But what about the newcomers to the conference? We're going to draft the 10 best new players joining the Big Ten on today's episode of Locked On College Basketball. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Well, Leaf, we're back again, continuing our series, drafting the 10 best newcomers into the power conferences. We started this a few weeks ago with Matt St. Jean of Road to the Garden, previewing the Big East and drafting the 10 best newcomers there. Leaf and I did this last week with the Pac-12, very fun little exercise. So now we're bringing it over to a conference where there hasn't been as much attention, I don't think, on the newcomers in the conference. A lot of the conversation around the conference is, oh, Purdue's bringing back all five starters, Michigan State's bringing back a ton of their talent, et cetera. Wisconsin has basically the same roster, but there are a lot of talented newcomers, some incoming freshmen that I think are really talented uh, and a handful of transfers that are definitely going to make some noise. And, and like we did last week, Leaf, I'm going to give you the first pick, not just because you're the guest, but because I'm very curious who you are going to take first, because I think there are a handful of players that could kind of compete for the top spot as the uh, most desirable newcomer coming into the Big Ten. Who do you got? I was hoping you'd take first because I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I'm of two minds. One, one is a guy I think will be more instantly impactful. The other one I think is more talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll go with the guy that I think will have the keys to an offense, mm-hmm. uh, in, and that'll be Ace Baldwin yep. going to Penn State because he's playing with the same coach, and he's going to inherit an offense. And I know it was Shrewsbury's offense that allowed Jalen Pickett to operate from the mid post and create for everyone. But I do think because of the influx of talent and just the familiarity between he and his coach, even if it's a different conference, a guy who scores 13 a game and is is the catalyst for a team that makes the NCAA tournament, joins a new team, I think that the ball is going to be in his hands and I expect him to score 13 points a game, get a few, maybe five, six assists a game. And that's probably an all-conference member. It may not be first team, but I think that's probably all-conference second team, at least honorable mention. You know, I almost kind of wish I'd gone first because that's who I was going to take. And now I'm looking at who I'm going to take second. And I'm like, oh, this isn't much better. Uh, Baldwin's a great choice. I think he's going to have a a really successful uh, season. Uh, Again, like you said, under his same coach at Penn State. So that leaves me with a couple freshmen I'm choosing between a sophomore that I think is going to have a a better season than he did as a freshman uh, and a couple other transfers that I like. Uh, I'm going to go with the freshman that I like the most coming into the Big Ten, and that is Xavier Booker joining Tom Izzo in Michigan State. And it'll be interesting to see how much he plays right away. I think you look at Michigan State, they brought back so much talent from last year's roster, mostly in the guard room. They get all those guys back, a ton of senior leadership for Tom Izzo, a coach who is really, really – Tom Izzo with a bunch of veteran guards is very dangerous, and there's a reason that this is a team that's getting a lot of hype coming into the season. But to me, Booker's a guy, he's 6'10", He can do a little bit of everything. He can space the floor. Number 11 ranked prospect in the class of 2023 at 24-7 sports. A guy who was valued even higher than that for a while. He's kind of got a lot of top five attention early in the kind of the cycle for recruiting. And I think 
his fit at Michigan State is is going to be really good. And I think you look at the Big Ten and you want those kind of bigger guys, those physical guys, and he can also space the floor a little bit. And I think that combination makes him a really dangerous player. And I think getting to play for Izzo is going to really help his game. See, the one question I have, and, and I really like him and I really like Michigan State, is is does he play the five and Malik Hall the four? Or are mm-hmm. you going to play Madi Sissoko and him at the four and Malik Hall off the bench? Um, and, and that just makes me question. It, it's a good problem to have for Tom mm-hmm. Izzo to have the luxury of options and you could maybe we'll get to another player in Cohen Carr mm-hmm. who's probably more of a true five man. So I'm, I'm very curious. And that's why I, I lean to this freshman mm-hmm. um, Mackenzie McCogbo mm-hmm. is for Indiana. I also don't love his fit um, for Indiana, but I think he's mm-hmm. the most talented freshman or maybe even the most talented player in the big 10. Um, he's someone that will play alongside Malik Renew and, mm-hmm. Kalel Ware, who mm-hmm. I likely will be, yeah. I, I imagine your next pick, and, and if not, <laughs> I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Ware will be the stretch four, so to speak. Renew will be mm-hmm. the workhorse in the middle, and that just makes me question what exactly Macagua's role is going to be. But I can't mm-hmm. pass up someone who's six eight, has a good shooting stroke, and I wouldn't qualify him as a unbelievable athlete, but he's a mm-hmm. very good athlete, especially in the college game, and. It, as someone who, who really focuses and studies on the draft, it's hard for me to not take someone with that much talent and and to make an impact. He may not be a 20-a-game score like mm-hmm. some freshman one and dunce to be, but I think athletically in the Big Ten playing the three, he's going to be a mismatch. Yeah, I had a little bit, a few, a few questions about how Mbako's role is going to kind of fit with Renault and where in Indiana. But if 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 the coaching staff there can get him going, he's he's such a high level talent, and like you said, a solid athlete, scorer, t- you know, just can do a lot of a lot, a little bit of everything. And so I think he's he's definitely somebody who is on my radar for this next pick. But as you correctly predicted, I am going to go with Kalel Ware here. And again, I think Indiana bringing in two extremely talented front court players in Mbako and Ware to pair alongside Renault, who we talked about on a recent episode, Leaf, as a, a guy we, we think could be a, a breakout candidate in the Big Ten as well. So you have those three guys. Getting them all on the floor at the same time, figuring out how to how to make that work is is going to be a good problem uh, for Coach Woodson at Indiana. But I, I think Ware is a guy who clearly disappointed in his one season at Oregon. I, there's not any other way to look at it. He, he didn't, he averaged six points and four rebounds. He only played about 16 minutes per night, was basically benched for huge stretches of the season and uh, made the right decision to a transfer because Nefali Dante came back to Oregon. So that was going to hurt his playing time and also not declare for the NBA draft and hopefully build up his draft stock. And I think as a stretch four who can also protect the rim defensively, I think there's, there's a lot about his profile that he doesn't even have to be like an elite level performer to still be a solid NBA draft pick. But I think in that system with that talent around him and utilized more correctly, uh, if that happens for him, could help him be a guy who, who really uh, has a much, much more successful sophomore season than his freshman year. Yeah, I think talent-wise, that's the obvious pick. I'm curious to see how he shoots the ball because, yeah. like we identified, Renew is probably going to be the main man on the interior. Mm-hmm. And speaking of someone who I'm curious how who they shoot the ball, Olivier Kamwa to mm-hmm. Michigan is my pick here. Um, I, he's inconsistent. Tennessee was inconsistent scoring the ball, to put it nicely. But he scored 27 points against Duke in March Madness, and he's going to a team with a vacancy of scores. They lost – not only in a number 11 pick, Jet Howard, they lost mm-hmm. Hunter Dickinson, who is probably more important to their team's success. And, and then you've lost Kobe Bufkin. So they've got a ton of scoring production to replace. Doug McDaniel should take a leap. Terrence Howard likely going to score a little more. But that still leaves someone to be the guy. 
And I'm not saying Kamwa is going to be your Big Ten player of the year. Obviously, I mean that's that's probably hyperbolic anyway because Zach mm-hmm. Eady exists. But <laughs> but but I think he could be an All Conference type of player. And he was a ten and eight guy at Tennessee on a team that was extremely egalitarian, almost to their detriment. I think he he might exceed, exceed that, make it thirteen and eight, thirteen and nine on a Michigan team that's not great, but might be better than some people predict after losing three stellar players. This is the first time I, we only done this exercise three times. This is the first time that the list in order that I had them, the top five guys all went in the top five, not quite in the same order, but the same exact top five. Nakamo is a great pick there, but we got five guys down and, and five more to go. As we look at some of the best newcomers joining the big 10 in the 2023, 24 season, before we get to those final five, though, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, and then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. Let's be honest, adding the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. We are going to continue our conference preview series, not only by doing the Big Sky today, we're also going to talk about the WAC at the end of the week as we continue to look towards the 23-24 college basketball season. But for now, Leaf, we continue our draft of the 10 most exciting, best, impactful, whatever you want to call it, newcomers joining the Big Ten Conference. We had Ace Baldwin, Xavier Booker, Mackenzie Mbako, Kalel Ware, and Olivia Nakamwa go in the first five, leaving us with a still very big bevy of talented players coming into the conference. I'm going to go with a player we already touched on briefly coming at Michigan State, the second of three freshmen I expect to potentially go in this exercise joining Tom Izzo's team. I'm going to go with Cohen Carr because Cohen Carr is just such an elite athlete, a guy who kind of rose up the rankings in that class of 2023 in a significant way because of that just like violence that he has in his game. He's so explosive, so talented. He's six foot seven, super high energy guy can kind of feels like he could play multiple different roles. Again, Izzo's got a really old experienced team. So it'll be interesting to see how much they utilize him in year one, but just from watching the highlights and reading the scouting reports, like there's just no way this guy doesn't play right away. And there's really no way in my mind that he doesn't make an impact right away. Even if it's just kind of doing some of the dirty work stuff and not necessarily putting up huge numbers, he's a guy who's going to impact the game when he's on the floor. And if everything comes together for him, if he gets the role that fits his skill set, I think he could be a, a really explosive player who, who a lot of people are talking about by the time March rolls around. He's a, he's a, that, that kind of talent, I think, if it gets unleashed in year one. Yeah, I'm just so curious about Michigan State. This is one team that I, I I've told you off air, and I've told, I've kind of alluded to this to to on air in various episodes. Like I, I like to pick some teams out before anything comes out about how they've played, before they go on their international things, and I write like, okay, I like this team's roster more than 
mm-hmm. uh, kind of like what I expect the consensus to be. The top one on that that list right now is Michigan State, and now mm-hmm. it's become more of a trendy pick. And they, mm-hmm. it, but especially when they got back um, Jay Nakins, which obviously mm-hmm. makes a big deal. But even before that, I was I was very high on them. So I'm very curious to see how the freshmen come in. And it reminds me a little bit of a like five, six, maybe even seven, eight years ago now when they had bigs like Matt Costello and mm-hmm. Gavin Schilling and they alternated and they played kind of like which one's going to play here. And then they had Deontay Davis. And, yeah. and some of those teams were better than others because they played the veterans who understood their roles better. But when they were able to combine and mesh a young Brandon Dawson with an older Adrian Payne, um, those teams were better and they had unique guard play back then. So I, I'm, I'm not comparing it quite to those type of teams, mm-hmm. but this is one that really makes me interested. Yeah. Uh, I like that pick. He was one that was very much on my list. And now I'm mm-hmm. torn between a number of transfers because mm-hmm. right now I've got a power forward. I've got a small forward and I've got a point guard. Yeah. And I want to go for a center, but I just, I don't love it. So I'll, I'll go with Kudus Wahab though mm-hmm. uh, at Penn state because I think he'll put up numbers. I think we know what he is, though, so it takes away a little bit of my excitement. But but he is someone that, when he initially was transferring, was a, a super hot commodity. I think mm-hmm. his stocks lessened just a little bit. Like we talked about Fardaz AMAC. Mm-hmm. I think it's a similar situation. But I think at Penn State, and he's going to be given the freedom. Penn State is now coached by VCU's old coach. VCU, for years under this guy, would have bigs that would put up near double-doubles. So. Mm-hmm statistically and impact wise, I think this is probably a good pick. I think there are players that I I'm more intrigued by, but mm-hmm. if I'm going to try to build out a roster that I think Kudus Wahab's probably a good idea. Yeah. He was definitely somebody on my radar right there as well. I think he he's got an opportunity to do some really good things under coach Rhodes at Penn state. For me here, I think I'm going to go with a guard and I really like the fit at Wisconsin for AJ store, a guy who shot just over 40% last year as a freshman at St. John's kind of was part of that exodus at St. John's last year when Rick Pitino comes in and store was one of the more talented players on that roster. I think he averaged nine and two at St. John's still kind of, and not quite an empty shooter necessarily, but that is definitely the biggest skill that he brings. But I think coming to Wisconsin, a team that basically brought everybody back, they get Chucky Hepburn back as well. I think him coming in and kind of filling a, a combo guard role, I think you could see him kind of advance his game a little bit. And we, we haven't, we don't always nail down this exercise in terms of if we're talking about future value beyond the upcoming season, but stores a guy because he has three years of eligibility. I think that makes him just a little bit more valuable to Wisconsin as well. And a guy that I think uh, is going to have a big impact starting in year one and could end up being like a, a really strong big 10 player for multiple years. That is exactly who I wanted to take. Uh, when I alluded to a guard, I, I feared that if I didn't take a center, that I, I'd, I'd be kind of messing up the exercise, considering that that Wahab's likely the more statistically oriented mm-hmm. contributor. But in terms of my preference and, and who I'm more intrigued by, that is exactly who I was referring to. Uh, so I'm a little annoyed you took him, but I, I respect the pick. I very much so. That's so part now, of the now, now I got to go get myself a guard. Uh, just for recap for those listening, mm-hmm. I've taken uh, Ace Baldwin, McKenzie uh, at, at Indiana, mm-hmm. Olivier Kamwa, and Kudus Wahab. So I'll go get myself a two guard. Miles Colvin intrigues mm-hmm. me, but I'll go with the known commodity of Namari Burnett. Okay. Um, Namari Burnett, I think, will be starting two at Michigan. I think Namari Burnett has been plagued by injuries, but he's played on good teams and he's bounced around. I think this is the year for him to establish himself as more than just like a, a glue guy. And I think he can elevate himself to more of like a well-known commodity. Like I, I think he could take a leap similar to that of Kevin McCuller, who mm-hmm. 
McCuller was a well-known player among people like you and me, college basketball fanatics. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to Kansas and everyone's like, oh, the best backcourt defensively in the country, which probably is true. But no one knew that he was the guy that was probably best slated to guard Paolo Bancaro in the game where uh, Texas Tech played Duke. Um, So I I think he's the guy that I would take and trust to have a larger impact um, than a freshman in Miles Colvin on a pretty loaded Purdue team. I like that pick. uh, And I think... Looking, looking at the the guards that are available right now, I'm kind of struggling because I want to pick a guard here too. And there's a handful that I really like. There's, uh, I think, a really nice fit for a player that I'm kind of sad is not going to get picked because I'm not going to take him here with the final pick, but we can kind of recap him afterwards. But I am going to go with, and maybe it's my WCC bias showing a little bit because I've seen a whole heck of a lot of this guy, but I'm going to go with Mike Mitchell uh, joining the Golden Gophers at Minnesota. Mitchell's a 6'2 guard, averaged 11 and a half points per game in a really, really solid sophomore class for Pepperdine. They had uh, Max Lewis, who of course got drafted by the Los Angeles Lakers. They had Houston Millette, who I think is going to be a really good player, all WCC caliber player next year for Pepperdine as a junior. And they also had Mike Mitchell and Mitchell hit the transfer portal, goes to Minnesota. The big thing for him is he is a 44% three-point shooter at Pepperdine. This dude is a lights out shooter. Minnesota desperately needed shooting on that roster. He also averaged five assists per game on a team that wasn't particularly good last year. Uh, again, Lorenzo Romar, very good at getting talented players into the program, not particularly good at getting them to win basketball games. But Mitchell is a guy that I think uh, coming to a Minnesota team as a shooter, as a passer, distributor, uh, a really solid add for that program. And I think going to help them potentially climb out of the cellar in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's a, a deep cut of a pick that I, that I like. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple guys that stand out to me that I, I didn't take, Jeremy Fears for Michigan State, I think mm-hmm. it's just because of opportunity. They've got the best trio mm-hmm. of guards in the in the conference, um, and so it's just hard. But I think if we were to go in terms of long-term, I really like his upside. I mentioned Miles Colvin. And then uh, there are two transfers from big-name programs that are mm-hmm. veterans now that I think really could could have impact. Mm-hmm. Um, Puff Johnson at Penn State. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been a lesser known commodity until he had a really nice run in, in March Madness a season before this past one. Mm-hmm. And he basically fell off the face of the earth because North Carolina just played too big. Yeah. And I felt badly for him. And the other one was a former ACC guy turned Pac-12 and now Big Ten, mm-hmm. Quincy Garrier. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the fit, which yeah. is why I didn't pick him. I mean, Coleman Hawkins and Dane Danger already are enormous Mm -hmm. so why play gary at the three like he was at oregon where he seemingly regressed yeah but um it's it's hard to exclude him considering he he's a pretty talented player that one point scored about 17 a game in college yeah gary was was kind of right on my list as well but i watched a lot of oregon basketball last year and yeah he was out of position at the three and and he, he put up fine numbers he was productive but he was never all that exciting. And I'm just, I'm not super excited about him going to Illinois. I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be bad, but it doesn't really thrill me. And looking at the rest of my list, you, you, t- you touched on fears. who was definitely one of the top players left on my board. You talked about Gary, o, who, Gary, a, excuse me, who was on my list as well. I also had Brink Mast coming over to Nebraska guy who averaged 14 and eight last year at Bradley. Uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference. And then I also had Ben Crickey 
from Iowa. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he's a guy who uh, was a four-year starter at Valpo, averaged 19 and a half points per game last year, was the most productive or most efficient score in the Missouri Valley Conference, shot 55% from the field. So those are a few other guys on my list. I had some guys later. Uh, I, I, I mentioned a player that I don't think is going to get picked, but that I like, and that's Lance Jones at Purdue. Again, Purdue returns their entire starting lineup, so we'll see how much Jones play, but plays, but he's a really good defensive player, led the Missouri Valley Conference conference in steals in back-to-back seasons at Southern Illinois career 12 and a half points per game. I think he's going to play more of a, a smaller role at Purdue, which is part of the reason he doesn't really fit this exercise, but Purdue didn't make a lot of changes to their roster, but I really liked the addition of Lance Jones. I think that was a, a savvy move for Matt Painter and company. Yeah. I, I think there are a few players that I think on good team will make an impact, but it's not mm-hmm. good for drafting. Right. Uh, one that is kind of the opposite of that would be, I I think Noah Fernandez from mm-hmm. UMass to Rutgers statistically could make an impact, but mm-hmm. I just don't think that team's going to be very good. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think he's bound to regress from UMass to Rutgers in mm-hmm. terms of just like not UMass. I wouldn't even describe as truly a mid major, mm-hmm. but that this isn't this is a leap. And so I, th- that's pretty much it. And and I think you've touched on everyone on my list. One mm-hmm. guy that I don't think will make an impact yet, but mm-hmm. I just want to shoot my shot right here, mm-hmm. is uh, Price Sanford. Um, mm-hmm. From he's the younger brother of of Peyton Sanford at mm-hmm. Iowa, who is an absolute dead eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think give him a couple of years, he could be better than Pri- uh, Peyton, who's more just only shoots i think he's a better athlete is what the reports have told me so Mm -hmm. i don't think he's quite ready yet for fran mccaffrey but they do do well with brothers as as we've seen a couple times now well leaf always fun to do this exercise fantastic to take a look at some of these new players coming into the big 10 conference but we're going to close out today's show with a preview of the big sky conference where superstar returnee dylan jones hopes to lead weber state to a championship over incumbents eastern washington and montana state all of that and more coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Game Time. Life is always so busy, and the last thing that I want to be worried about is buying tickets to events. Thankfully, there's Game Time, which has killer deals on last-minute tickets for all of the events that I want to go to. And when choosing seats for events, I get stressed about trying to pick the right ones. I'm worried about the view. I'm worried about whether the sun's going to be in my eyes. But Game Times has images of views from your seat so that you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Forget planning months in advance. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. In fact, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, segment three here. Still Andy Patton, still joined by Leaf Tulane here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. And we are continuing our months-long saga doing conference previews for all 32 conferences in college basketball. My co-host Isaac Shade and I led off with the ACC on Tuesday's episode. Isaac talked about the Horizon League on Wednesday's episode. And here for Thursday's show, Leaf and I are going to break down the Big Sky Conference, starting with the biggest storylines. Then we're going to talk about our predictions for who's going to win some dark horse teams and then close it out with some award predictions for the big sky and for biggest storylines leaf it always is kind of the same with these mid-major conferences a lot of the times it's 
that a lot of players left. A lot of players transfer up. That's the kind of the common thing we're seeing in college basketball these days. And you look at the list of, of players leaving the Big Sky Conference. Dalton Connect goes over to Tennessee. He's going to be a, a nice piece over there. Isaac Jones goes from Idaho to Washington State. Steel Venters just travels 30 miles up I-90 to go from eastern Washington to Gonzaga. Raekwon Battle is going to be a big piece at West Virginia after leaving Montana State. Jalen Cohn, we talked about him recently on the show, as well as one of the best newcomers into the Pac-12 Conference coming over from northern Arizona. And Leaf, it feels like this is just kind of the new norm for these mid-major conferences. And the Big Sky is certainly not a premier college basketball conference, but it kind of is a bummer to see like really talented players who aren't sticking around with these teams anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what's going to happen with mm-hmm. uh, with the transfer portal. There, there's nothing we can do about it at this point. I, I love a really cohesive unit that comes in as a scrappy March Madness underdog. And, mm-hmm. and, you, and those who really know college basketball know, hey, that team's played together for three, four years, mm-hmm. and maybe they do have a chance as a 13 seed to mm-hmm. beat the four because their game style is really well um, – it, it's it's well-grooved. They've, yeah. they've done everything together. Now it's reliant – you know, a lot of these teams are reliant on one or two of the best players, and you mm-hmm. look at the top teams of the conference, like Montana State's made back-to-back NCAA tournaments. Mm-hmm. Now they got absolutely blasted by Texas Tech, who was extremely mm-hmm. physical, mm-hmm. but that's a team that athletically couldn't match up. Mm-hmm. Montana State had a better match against Kansas State, yeah. who made the Elite Eight. Yeah, that was and, a close game, too. And, and yeah, it was a nine-point mm-hmm. game at the end, but it was, you know, within that range the whole time. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a nine-point backdoor cover. Right. And, and so my point of that is they lost their top four players, probably, mm-hmm. and right. their coach. And so, so now you look at like the demise of, of cohesive teams in mid majors. And this is not just a big sky thing. This mm-hmm. is a, it is national as, as big sure. as like even the Atlantic 10 has a max exodus. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that typically puts in two or three teams into the tournament. Mm-hmm. To me, I think that we're just going to have to live with it as college mm-hmm. basketball fans. And we're going to enjoy, you know, those top talents of these mid majors going to the best teams, mm-hmm. but I don't think we can change it. No, I don't think so either. And one way that can kind of recuperate some of this is we also see the opposite. And I hate this phrase, but I'm going to use it as transfer down players who transfer from high majors or even from better mid-major conferences. They transfer down to the big sky conference and, and can you know get more playing time and, and find, a, find a bigger role. And there's certainly some players who may fit that mold here. K.J. Allen's a guy who didn't play much at Texas Tech. He goes to Portland State. Definitely an opportunity for him to step into a bigger role. Tyler Lindhart didn't play much at Washington. He goes to Idaho. Like Those are the kind of guys that could potentially step into those bigger roles. And we've even seen guys, Raekwon Battle is an example. He started at Washington, transferred to Montana State, scored 18 a game, transferred to West Virginia. Like We see guys starting to make that track as well. And while that's not fun in terms of continuity for conferences like the Big Sky, it does at least allow them to kind of see these guys blossom into the best versions of themselves and then kind of move on from there. And you touched on coaching changes, and that was what I wanted to hit next. There's two two coaching changes in the Big Sky. The most notable one is, of course, Montana State having to replace Danny Sprinkle. Uh, they bring in Matt Logie. Sprinkle was the guy who, who led them to back-to-back NCAA tournaments, like you said. Uh, Big Sky Coach of the Year in the 21-22 season. Went 81-43 and 43 in four seasons with the Bobcats. Really elevated that Montana State program. And now he goes over to Utah State, a program that obviously needed to make a coaching change there. And, and uh, they, he brought Derek Darius Brown and great Asobar over with him, two of the best players from that Montana State team. So I think it'll be good news for Utah State. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Montana State's new coach here, too, as well, Logie. He went 82-23 and 23 in four years at Point Loma, a D2 school down in San Diego. And again, always, you know, 
interested to see how guys do when they move up a level. But Logie was a guy who was at Whitworth in Spokane, a D3 school, went 194 and 35, which is just staggering. He does that for, for, I think, six or seven years there, goes to Point Loma and basically puts up the same win percentage. Is he going to come in and win 82% of his games at Montana State? Probably not, but there's a track record of tremendous success, a career 82.6% winning rate uh, in his time at Whitworth and Point Loma. So I'm excited about what he brings to Montana State. And then over at Idaho, they brought in a new coach as well. And uh, it wasn't because their other coach got a better job. It was because they fired him because... Idaho's been one of the worst teams in Division I college basketball for a while. They went 1-21 and in that 2020-21 season. Uh, they weren't a whole lot better last year. They fire uh, Zach Klaus. He takes the job at Western Colorado at the D2 level. And they bring over Alex Pribble, who is the associate head coach at Seattle U. I've said this on this podcast. I am an alum from Seattle U as well as Gonzaga. I follow Seattle U basketball closely. Pribble is a tough loss for Seattle U. Fantastic coach, helped lead Seattle U to back-to-back 20-win seasons. He was a former head coach at St. Martin's, a D2 school in Washington, and I think is going to do a nice job at Idaho. It's going to be a multi-year rebuild for the Vandals, but I'm excited about that. So I think uh, losing sprinkles tough for the big sky, but I think that these two schools brought in some some solid coaches to help kind of elevate the conference a little bit. Yeah, coaching, the carousel is interesting now because <laughs> it's basically – basically if one guy exceeds expectations by enough at a lower level they're going Mm -hmm. to get promoted but that even goes further and like in the case of utah state Mm -hmm. uh, obviously vcu's coach goes Mm -hmm. to uh penn state then utah state's coach odin odom goes to vcu vcu recruits all Mm -hmm. those utah state guys utah Mm -hmm. state's guys go to vcu and now you hire sprinkle Mm -hmm. and montana state's guys go to utah state so now that opens up the vacancy so that's the Mm -hmm. whole thing Mm-hmm. This is going to happen time and time again. What I expect yeah. to happen is eventually Montana State's going to uh, have have a way to replenish their program, but it's not a large enough commodity in terms mm-hmm. of like basketball players know, hey, they made two straight NCAA yeah. tournaments, but this guy's not here. But I mm-hmm. think eventually they'll be able to be kind of a power in the big sky because yeah. I think that their basketball style mm-hmm. um, was conducive to winning, and it showed that a lot of their players are now getting chances at someone like West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, and when he committed, I think, I think this is before the Huggins scandal. Mm-hmm. And that was for a legend of the basketball game with mm-hmm. Bob Huggins. So if you can go here and succeed, this is mm-hmm. going to happen. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to jump the gun, but, but I do mm-hmm. think I'm going to take a team that, that hasn't had as much mm-hmm. turnover. I, I, I think the yeah. team to beat to me is in Weber, U- Weber mm-hmm. state in Austin, yeah. Utah. Uh, I think they've got the best player. Mm-hmm. I, I also think that they've got a good supporting cast and there mm-hmm. hasn't been much turnover whatsoever. And, and I know Randy Ray, longtime coach here, I actually played basketball mm-hmm. growing up with his son, mm-hmm. uh, is no longer the coach, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's a well, well indebted program. Like they, yeah. they know how to play basketball, obviously Damian Lillard, a notable mm-hmm. alumni, but they've had other guys go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And um, I met Dylan Jones at the NBA combine and you mm-hmm. can just see the intensity. And I, I think, Relative to NBA draft prospects, he didn't stand out. Mm-hmm. But relative to some of the college competition, not just Big mm-hmm. Sky, but 
but in, in, in just general, he's one yeah. of the better players in the country. So I, mm-hmm. I always lean to a better player with a cohesive unit without much turnover. Yeah. I, Weber state is a fantastic, I, th- I, I listed them as a dark horse, but I'm not sure they're actually a dark horse. I think Montana state and Eastern Washington were clearly the two best teams in the conference, but Weber state was right behind them. Eastern loses steel venters, their leading scorer. They also lose Angelo Allegri, who was their second leading scorer, 13 and a half points per game. They do add a guy I like in Jake Kyman, who, uh, didn't do much at Wyoming. He also didn't do much at UCLA in the three years before that, but he hasn't gotten very many opportunities. If he gets a big role at Eastern, I could see him uh, kind of showcasing why he was such a highly regarded prospect coming into college. Uh, Montana State, we kind of talked about already. They lost their four leading scorers. They added a few guys who I think could be solid for them. I like Chica Naduka, who comes over from the University of Portland. Uh, but again, he's not not a guy who's going to move the needle that much. So to me, Eastern takes a hit. Montana State takes a hit. Meanwhile, Weber State has, in my mind, far and away the best player in the conference. Again, a guy who would be the best player in a lot of college basketball conferences would be a a player who could play on on most programs in the country and Dylan Jones. uh, Fantastic talent. Again, they also get back uh, one of their key role players or one of their key starters last year in Stephen Verplanken, who averaged 13 points per game. KJ Cunningham comes back. As well, and so I think they're kind of the dark horse-ish, maybe the favorite coming into the season, uh, even though they were not in the top two last year. I also have Portland State as a potential favorite, a dark horse, and that's more of a shot in the dark pick here. They went six and eleven in the conference last year, but and they lost their leading scorer, Cameron Park, who averaged nineteen per game. But they keep basically everybody else. They're an old team. They're a veteran team. I talked a little bit about the transfer coming in, KJ Allen, who. Uh, played 45 games at Texas Tech, only scored two points per game, but in a bigger role, maybe he could be a guy who kind of thrives. And they also added a big man from South Carolina, Trayvon Minot, who only played seven minutes per game in 29 games at South Carolina. So not a big role player, but a six foot nine player who I think could step into a role. So is Portland State going to go from middle of the pack to the top? Uh, maybe not, but I think they're a team that that could make some noise in that conference. Yeah, I, I think Portland State's an interesting one because – you see them exposed to good teams. Like last mm-hmm. year, they played in the PK 85. Yeah, played Gonzaga and, last year, yeah. And, and so you, you see them, I wouldn't say they competed mm-hmm. in terms of like had a chance to win, mm-hmm. but they didn't look bad. No, they played hard. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I always like that because, but at a certain point, you know, in conference play, everyone's going to. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit less of like, a, oh, because I've seen them more mm-hmm. against better competition. I favor them a little less than you, but I don't dislike that call. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, like I said, Weber State to me has the mm-hmm. most like set in peace yeah. ability. I, I'd be curious about KJ Allen because, like I said, Texas Tech has recruited well. That's a talented mm-hmm. player. Um, and then you, you've got you've got a couple new players going through. Mm-hmm. Like you've got you've got Trayvon Minot, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, and then and Carson Basham at, at mm-hmm. NAU. I mm-hmm. I don't know if NAU. I'd put in the top competitors of this list, mm-hmm. but I know that they've got more players that uh, that are staying and they have belief and and they made a little bit of a Cinderella run mm-hmm. um, last year in the Big Sky Conference tournament. Came up a bit short, but I mean sometimes you believe in that type of uh, momentum going forward, mm-hmm. especially in a conference when your your team has mm-hmm. most of their players coming back. You add a good player in mm-hmm. Basham who may well be the newcomer of the year mm-hmm. and. and I mean, Liam Lloyd mm-hmm. is a is a solid player, and they've got mm-hmm. they lose Jalen Cohn is my yeah. one concern. But yeah. but I also think that if you lose that shooter, mm-hmm. you may have more opportunities for other players to play like more mm-hmm. standardized roles. So that would be a team I'm a little higher on 
than uh, than the consensus. Shout out Gary Bell, former Gonzaga player and now an assistant coach over at Northern Arizona. Leaf, I want to go through our award predictions here. Rapid fire really quickly. I'll start with player of the year. It's Dylan Jones. There's almost no debate in my mind. A guy who averaged a double-double last year is going to have even more of an opportunity to explode uh, in this next season at Weber State. What about you? Yeah, I, I got to go Dylan Jones. Mm-hmm. I, like I mentioned, he was at the combine and he took he was yapping with Amari Bailey and <laughs> and and he's a competitor. I met him. He's a really nice guy. And so mm-hmm. I think he's going to use the motivation of not performing as well as he would have liked at the combine mm-hmm. to his advantage and, and really kind of take the big sky by storm. Mm-hmm. You uh, you mentioned my newcomer of the year, which is Carson Carson Basham, a guy who averaged seven and a half points and four boards at Pepperdine last year. Six foot ten centers just don't come into the big sky all that often. He's going to be one of the biggest players in the league. I think there's more of an opportunity for him to score, especially with Jalen Cohn out the door. Like you said, uh, there's a chance that he's going to be a, a pretty solid rim protector as well. And I think all that kind of leads to him being potentially the best new guy joining that conference. Yeah, he's who I'd lean. Uh, the big name would be Jake Kyman, but but mm-hmm. I think Jake Kyman's a big name because he attended UCLA, not mm-hmm. because of what he did at UCLA right. or at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree with you. I was going to be try to be different, but I I, I think your 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 point of you don't see six ten and athletic join yeah. a, a, the big skies often. And I, Jake Kyman fits the mold more often mm-hmm. of a guy who can shoot and he's scrappy and he's and he's a, a solid athlete, but it's mm-hmm. it's just one of them to me is more different than the rest. And I'm yeah. going to take my chances that he develops his game as he, as he matures as well. Yeah. Coach of the year. I'm going with Eric Duft at Weber state. Again, we talked about them being the, the team that might make the leap here. And if they go from third to first uh, or even second, or just improve on that. And Jones has that monster season. I think there's a real chance there. It's hard to ignore what David Riley has done at Eastern Washington, but I think that team takes a step back, which uh, probably clears the way for Duff to be the coach of the year from Weber state. Yeah, I think Duft is the call. Just, but I, I will say, I think the the job that Matt Logie has is mm. more difficult. Yeah, and so if they're both like one and two, I would say mm. Logie's done the better yeah. job. It's just that he's got a kind of a tough task to mm-hmm. exceed expectations, considering yeah. the last two years they made the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I just wanted to show that mm. that train of logic as well because I, mm. I, I didn't know about the win percentage uh, being the same. I did yeah. know where he came from but mm-hmm. i didn't know about it at all levels is when possession yeah. is, uh, is just uh astronomical quite yeah. frankly uh, defensive player of the year uh, i was leaning between two guys who have already picked up awards in here between basham and jones i'm going to go with dylan jones uh, he's such a tenacious rebounder he's a high level athlete one of the best if not the best athlete in the conference and i think he's going to put together uh, enough production from a just in terms of his on-ball defense getting some blocks getting some steals cleaning up on the glass and i think that's enough for him to take home that award as well as player of the year i i can't disagree considering mm-hmm. I, I saw him clapping and, and and yapping with amari bailey and then and then on the other end it would be like okay who's next and mm-hmm. and so considering that's what he was used to this summer mm-hmm. I, i'm gonna imagine he's gonna be frustrated that he didn't put forth a better showing offensively and maybe take mm-hmm. out defensively on some of these players so I, i'm with you i wish i could be more of a um contrarian but i, I kind of agree on these ones yeah well, Leaf, this was fun. Thank you so much for jumping on the show to talk Big Sky Conference. We're going to be doing a whole heck of a lot more of these, so I'm excited to get a chance to hear your expertise on some of these other smaller conferences going forward. Absolutely.
Well, that is going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for making this show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those of you checking us out on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. We are over 1,400 subscribers, so less than 100 away from our goal of getting to 1,500 before the season starts. I think we can get there well before the season starts, but we could use your help. So go to youtube.com, search Lockdown College Basketball, hit that big subscribe button. We're also going to break out all of these conference previews into a playlist. So if you want to listen to them all on YouTube, go ahead and do that. Thanks again so much for listening. We'll talk to you very soon. And until next time, peace out.